This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Megan Aslanian. Everybody sort of wants that holistic health care. People are really into having loved ones that they care about being engaged in activities such as music, recreation, art, dance. And when you're a board-certified music therapist, you know, you're, you're more generally focused in music. And everybody sort of has this connection to music. And I feel like a lot of families in home health care, they want their loved ones to have music and they want it to be presented in a very clinical way. And then if you think about company-wise, um, having music therapists come in, you know, they'll connect more with different populations. And the music therapist could be flexible in the sense that they could work on one floor or they could work with different populations in one unit. And the thing is that as a music therapist, we can bring holistic healthcare, holistic healing per se, to clients and we're just one individual. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. Today's interview is with Megan Aslanian, who is... Uh, a recent music therapy graduate currently attending school to get her master's degree in business administration. She has a finance certification. She has a nursing assistant certification, and she's aspiring to also get a dental assistant certification. And in this episode, we talk about how all of those things make her more marketable as a music therapist and more well-rounded as a music therapist, specifically in the medical setting, which is her uh, area of interest. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know by leaving a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or a recommendation on Facebook. I would love to read some more of those at the ends of episodes. You can find us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles and join our group on Facebook. And you can also support the podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com. But probably the easiest way to support the show is to subscribe. Uh, That will make sure that the episodes get downloaded to your episode podcast player each week and you will have this content available for you. All right, let's get into this conversation with Megan. Right, Megan, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Oh, hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing well. It's a nice day outside. 
It is. We were just talking pre-recording. Uh, we're pretty close to each other, so I am experiencing about the same weather, I'd say, and it is a nice day. Yes. Awesome. So to get us started, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, um, I guess I recently graduated, and I recently graduated with my undergraduate degree, and I'm starting my master's program. I'm, I'm a year into it, and um, I am working, I guess, part-time while completing school. And then outside of music therapy, um, I'm 100% Armenian, so that's been something I've been into and staying connected with um, outside of work and school. Last summer, I actually went to Armenia on a mission trip, and I noticed that music was a huge part of our culture. And it was really cool to see how being a musician, being a dancer, being an artist, that's something that is really important in my culture. And it's almost like it was an innate passion. And it sort of tied the pieces together why I decided to major in music therapy. You know, it was kind of in me this whole time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's interesting also to see how different cultures um, just incorporate music so much more organically than we do. For them, music therapy is kind of like, well, we're already doing all of those things. Right. And even like, yeah, when I was in Armenia, you know, it's just everybody kind of knows all the same music. Everyone likes the same genre. Sometimes here in America, I feel like there's a little bit of discrepancy. But then, you know, as music therapists, we sort of tie, I, I mean, I like to tie in modern music into my sessions, even though my clients don't necessarily, they didn't necessarily like it that much. Um, but it was important for them to get, you know, classical, country, um, classic rock, which is what everybody's favorite was <laughs> and then you know a little bit more modern songs especially if it was more if we were doing more of a um, socialization reaction to what's going on in the world yeah totally that's awesome that you incorporated so many different things for them to to experience so I guess let's start here so you you did your undergrad in music therapy and now you're doing uh, your master's in business administration. So what inspired that transition? Oh, so it's actually funny. Uh, when I was in my internship, my supervisor mentioned getting a master's in business administration. And she talked about how it's very marketable to be a music therapist with a business background. Hmm. And at the time, <laughs> you know, I was like, what, what, why, why are you telling me this? You know, I'm, I'm so confused. I just, and I guess in that moment, I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, I got my undergraduate in music therapy, so I'm going to get my master's in music therapy, you know, and I don't understand why she was sort of persuading business administration, right? And it took a long time, not necessarily a long time, but it felt like a long time for me to actually realize that it would be a good skill for me. And I think the turning point was when I wanted to start an internship program at the place I was working at. And I, you know, there was all these 
logistics and training and, you know, marketing why a music therapy internship program is appropriate, why a music therapy practicum program, like what benefit could that do for the company? Uh, how could it be a financial benefit in addition to, you know, a marketing benefit? And there were all these areas that I didn't know and I had no um, experience. You know, I didn't really know what to do in that moment. And of course, like I read a lot of blogs and a lot of articles. And I even reached out to my internship to kind of figure out what to go, how to go about this. And that was, I think, really the big turning point for me because um, I, that's sort of where I see myself going in the field is becoming more of an administrator and more of a practicum supervisor. I found, I found a lot of joy doing sessions, but then I really found joy like inspiring others around my same age, same field. So that was, I guess, the real turning point. And um, right now, and this is sort of hard to get into, but I, my certification is in finance. It's not in healthcare, and that was something I chose just because it was more of a marketing um, tactic to kind of make me be a little bit more appealing. And then for music therapy, I mean, a lot of times, like, our program gets cut, you know, and it, from a financial standpoint, now I have facts and knowledge to back up why music therapy is actually financially feasible for a company. You know, and I wouldn't have had those skills if I didn't go for a master's in business administration. Yeah, yeah, I love that so much. And I totally see why your supervisor would say that it's a marketable attribute to have marketable training and background. Can you share any of like those general um, general things you've learned about how to convince or to express why music therapy is a good business attribute to have for a company some of those things you've learned yeah, so far of course um so i think generally speaking a lot of healthcare companies i've i saw this a few times when you're an independent contractor music therapist and you're working in home health care i feel like it was a little bit more prominent but it's prominent even in bigger companies everybody sort of wants that holistic health care people are really into having loved ones that they care about being engaged in activities such as music, recreation, art, dance. And when you're a board certified music therapist, you know, you're, you're more generally focused in music. And everybody sort of has this connection to music. And I feel like a lot of families in home health care, they want their loved ones to have music and they want it to be presented in a very clinical way. And then if we think about company wise, um, having music therapists come in, you know, they'll connect more with different populations and the music therapist could be flexible in the sense that they could work on one floor or they could work with different populations in one unit. And the thing is that as a music therapist, we can bring holistic healthcare, holistic healing per se, to clients, and we're just one individual. I think that our training at, well, actually at the undergraduate level, our training, my training was so intense that I feel 
you know, when I entered the real world, I was ready to adapt and work with a number of different populations, you know, prepare a number of different genres of music and present them in a very clinical manner. And that's something that we could market because a lot of individuals that go into, well, most bachelor's level degrees don't necessarily go into debt because there is a lot to cover, but I feel like our profession is very good at being accredited, having like different courses for different levels and having like very you know, competitive training to some degree. And I think that if you can present yourself as, you know, I'm, I'm a music therapist, you know, these are the clinical experiences. These are, this is my training background. You know, I can handle a course load of, you know, 20 clients a day. That's like, you know, that's similar to my internship or, and then you can say, you know, you're paying me as a professional. You're not paying a number of different healthcare workers. So it's more beneficial to the company. Well, you have me convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I are. Oh my gosh, our profession is so wonderful. And I just really want everybody to know it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's awesome that you went back to school to um, familiarize yourself with that language and like how to do that in a way that will benefit you and so many other professionals down the road. So awesome. Uh, good on you. Thank you for the work you're preparing to do. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into the meat of our conversation. You have a YouTube channel called The Poor Doctor. Tell us all about that. Yes. Oh, I re I've had this idea for a really long time. Um, I just had to go through it, it you know, because um, starting, so here's the thing, is starting a YouTube channel is technically you're starting a business. And the problem I feel like with YouTube is some people get a little lost in how many views, how many likes, how many subscribers. And my approach to this channel is really to obtain an ideal set of subscribers, which are, of course, young music therapists. And it's really important because I, throughout my training, it, it was a lot. It was really intense. And I wasn't expecting my music therapy training to be as intense as it was. And now I did graduate, at, I was one of the top of my class, and I did get a national roster internship and a job right after finishing. But the thing is that I went through a lot of struggles. And I think it's really important for young professionals to understand that, you know, even though there's a lot that goes into becoming a music therapist, and you don't necessarily see the struggles, it's important to know that individuals who have succeeded went through the same issues that you currently are going through. Um, I became really inspired because when I was in school, there were a lot of pre-med majors who were showing how they went to getting into med school. And they would talk about how, you know, they, they didn't have any resources when they were in school. And like, and that spoke to me because, you know, I, I feel like I didn't necessarily have that many resources. I, I didn't grow up with a computer or Wi-Fi or a cell phone. So if there were resources out there, I didn't necessarily have access to them. And then, 
you know, when I finally did obtain access, I didn't really know how to go about finding these resources. So um, my main goal in this channel, because unfortunately I can't necessarily show music therapy just because of the HIPAA laws and everything, but I can go about talking about my experiences and talking about how I studied and what issues came across in my educational and personal life. And it's really to help the, our generation, the next generation, become the best generation, especially in music therapy, because I really don't want somebody to be turned off from the profession because, you know, they had a bad grade or maybe they had a breakup or they didn't get a job right after college, you know, and that's, that's really important, I feel, to share. Yeah, I love that so much because it can be... Um, the stories you hear can often be so far in hindsight that you don't necessarily experience like the raw emotion that person went through when the hard stuff was going on. So to be able to see you go through the things and um, other people who are sharing online, like in real time, what their music therapy journey is looking like must be so helpful for other people who are unsure. Of course, and I have had a couple of my individual, because I didn't graduate from undergrad too long ago, and a few of my fellow classmates have reached out and asked a few questions. And I remember one question was talking about populations, you know, what if I don't get an internship in a population I want, you know, or I want to work with in the future. And you know, I know I understand that exact feeling <laughs> because um, I was feeling those same emotions. But um, looking back on it, you know, it's a, it's okay. You're going to learn a lot from your internship and it's okay. You might end up liking this population, you know, you might not like it, but you still will learn how to cope because I, I feel like as music therapists, we do have to be adaptable. And to some degree, some people some jobs might throw clients at you in that, you know, population. And then, oh, well, I had it an internship, so it ended up coming in handy. So it's important to, I guess, I want to sort of be that light to show. Um, I do focus the channel, of course, around music therapy. And I talk about medicine because that's, that's my favorite population. And, um, and I talk about money since that is what I'm going to school for. And for the videos, I do sort of like get ugly, you know, like I'll um, wear sort of like baggy clothes and then I'll put my hair up and wear glasses and kind of angle the camera in a funky lighting. But again, it's supposed to create like authenticity and sort of break that fourth wall. Yeah, good for you. You got the three M's, music therapy, medical <laughs> clientele, and money. Yes, <laughs> and then that. my name's Megan. So oh, yeah, you're works. right. <laughs> love that. So, but you named your channel The Poor Doctor. Tell us about the story behind that name, why you chose oh, that. Oh, yes. So it's sort of supposed to be a play on words um, because, you know, everybody thinks that doctors are rich, but, you know, doctors go through a lot of clinical training, a lot of studying, and it's a long process. So for the most part, doctors are not rich, especially going through the process. And when you're trying to be something like a doctor or like a music therapist, like a financial advisor, you know, you have to spend a lot of time with yourself. You have to spend a lot of resources investing in yourself and you have to spend a lot of time studying. So it's sort of you're 
you, you know, you want to reach a higher level, but it takes a really long time to get there. And during most of that time, financially speaking, you don't necessarily have the means that everybody thinks of when they hear doctor. Plus, like music therapists, you know, I, I consider myself a healthcare worker because they do work um, in a medical facility. So it's supposed to be a, like kind of funny, kind of quirky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. That's um feels appropriate. But you're also, like you said, on your channel, you're talking about money. So what inspired you to bridge those things to bring money into the conversation? Because money can be taboo to begin with. Uh, and in the music therapy profession, it's, you know, even more, uh, how do I say, even more streamlined, you know, to put those two things together. Yes, for sure. Um, I guess I'll talk a Give a little background. Um, I have to do a little shout out to my family. Um, but, you know, growing up, we, we were a one income household. And that's kind of traditionally how it used to be um, in our, my family in the Armenian culture. Um, so it, money was always tight. <laughs> um, but then, you know, and I got to college and went, went through college and I worked through college, I did um, teach music lessons, which I do talk about um, on my channel. And then I went into finance, like a certification in finance, because as a music therapist, it was really hard for me to speak about how great music therapy is and advocate for myself and for my position without really speaking the language that the administrators, that the financial advisors who were crunching the numbers understood so it was when i was going into my first job you know i talk about oh how wonderful music therapy is but i wouldn't be able to back up the data and plus i didn't necessarily know how certain organizations figure out a pay range um and yes and i feel money can be a very tough subject and you know in our profession we're fortunate that it's very rewarding. So, you know, you, we don't necessarily go to work just for the money because the profession itself is very re rewarding. But it is important that we don't get the short end of the stick, especially at an entry level position, because a lot of times companies don't necessarily know that an entry level individual has knows that they have the right to argue a salary or to um, gain a raise after working a year. And I think it should be a more comfortable subject, especially for music therapists, because we, we have nothing to hide, you know? We're, we're an asset to the company, we can benefit clients and we can bring in more revenue. So I think it's important to exploit that. Hmm. Ah, you're, you're giving me uh, so many ideas of things that I should be saying in conversations. <laughs> yeah, marketable. That's the, the word that keeps coming to mind. You're making everything you're saying is very marketable sounding. And it, it is like you're not using complex language in any way, but you're just framing it in a very palatable way for someone who uh, might not be familiar with what we're doing, but expressing it in a way that they understand why it's important that it happens, that we're there to do it. Right. And even when talking to higher ups in a working environment, I, I think it's really important to not necessarily come from a defensive place, but sort of be able to, you, you know what you're talking about. So then that way you can get your point across, but not necessarily come across as 
too aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So let's circle back to your YouTube channel. Um, What is your vision for the content moving forward and where you see the channel going? So I, well, I guess I want this channel to be more of an icon for young professionals moving forward. Well, I think the main um, point that I want to try to get across is really studying because um, studying for that board certification (laughs) is really hard. And as well, at least in my training, we didn't necessarily have that many exams and I feel like it was very difficult to take a major board exam after undergrad and maybe having five tests, like the whole five years, you know? Mm. So I I think it's important now that I'm looking back and I'm starting to take other classes, I can kind of see how you should study for a major board exam and how taking questions that are more clinically focused and learning how to answer those. Because a lot of times, this is for most undergraduate majors, you mostly have to memorize the information and kind of share it. But then on the board certification, and even in my master's level courses, they're all situational based. And the nursing exam, similar, you know, most of these, if you have to get board certified, it's more situational, clinically based. And sometimes those skills aren't necessarily something we're ready to handle when we're going through undergraduate training. And a lot of times it's not necessarily stressed. So looking and taking what I've learned from a math and science approach and applying it to music therapy and to the board certification exam to help individuals prep and study, I feel like that's one of the main focuses I want my channel to derive around of course you know it it shouldn't be all studying I do want it to be a little entertaining a little you know conversation focused I I talk about you know some dating stories I talk about like exercise to some degree so it's not all based on educational but that is that was the main purpose and I really want that to kind of be the highlight yeah um, that that's a theme of my my interviews today because I just talked with uh, Amber Rogers who what she does is she tutors people to prepare for the exam so that's awesome that you oh. you have a different approach to that but that you are also hoping to help people because there are students out there who need that help and there are professionals retaking the exam who also need that help right and you know in in undergrad, we didn't necessarily focus on learning objectives that much. That was kind of more of something I did in my science classes. But then when I take, you know, learning objectives and apply it to the board certification, it's like, okay, now answering these situational questions make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I wouldn't have known that unless I took other courses and that's why I think it's important to share the information. There, it is possible. I know certain universities will allow you to design a course. And I feel like that would be wonderful because I did, I, like I said, I did teach music lessons. So I think it would be really cool if this does become big. Um, I, I'd be more than happy to design a course around it. Yeah, that's such a cool idea. Um, 
Because, like I said, it would help so many people, especially while they're still in college, to to get ready for that. So, do you have any any like tips you can share um, for general general studying, general prep? Anything that if if I was a student getting ready to take the exam and say one to eight months, whether or not I'm into my internship, what would you say? I would say. Well, generally, in terms of studying, it's always better to do active studying instead of passive studying, and which is going to take a lot more energy out of you. So I, I recommend the Pomodoro method where you study for 25 minutes and it's active studying. So you would read, um, let's say, a learning objective, and which is we'll, we'll just take the standard of clinical practice and you would read something from there and then you would rephrase it and you could write it down, write down what you, how you rephrase it in your own way to help you remember it. And then if it's about a population, use a clinical approach. So this, this actually, it, depending on how much training you've had, um, a tutor actually might be good. I'll shout out to the individual you were talking to earlier, because if you didn't, if you're one year into your internship, you might not necessarily understand, okay, well, substance abuse, we're using music for these specific goals, and you might not be able to understand a situation. So then, you know, you could always reach out to maybe somebody else, one of your other classmates, or you can look up a situation, or even in my video, sometimes I'll bring up a clinical situation. But going through that motion is very active. So you're reading the information, you're rephrasing it, so it's easy to be maintained and remembered and then you're bringing a story into it and the story is really what they're going to test you on and that, and that's generally speaking in most courses if you're going to take you know an anatomy course they might ask you a question that's more situational based yeah yeah that's such good actionable advice for sure thank you thank you for sharing that Do you have any other tips you want to share or is that like your main one? I think any other tips. Um, well, definitely start small. You know, I think two hours a day. I know that might sound like a lot, but if you break it into the 20, 25 minute clusters, two hours a day. And, and once you do, you know, a little bit, two sessions, so an hour, then you should really you know, not necessarily reward yourself in regards to like doing something, but write down, you know, good job on a sticky note and like put it up. You know, I, I have a calendar actually by my desk because I, I accomplish a lot in one day. <laughs> so I actually have a calendar of like, oh, you got up early today. Good job. You know, great job going through your homework first thing in the morning. You know, great job doing homework after work. And it gives yourself the motivation. So you're not necessarily relying on a grade. You're not relying on a student or a professor. You're giving yourself the reward. And that's another standpoint to kind of help because it can be hard to study when you're sort of already burnt out from going to internship or burnt out from classes. So you want to be able to give yourself a reward and then figure out Last one, I guess, is to figure out what works best for you. I know they always say, you know, if you're going to take an exam in the morning, you should study in the morning. And that is true. 
But then think about, you know, do does water help me focus? Does coffee help me focus? Does tea? Because I've played around and I feel that um, I drink tea in the morning, actually, and then I drink coffee in the afternoon. And having some B12 in the afternoon, like, actually really helps me. But that's me personally. So everybody's a little bit different. So kind of while you're in the practicum, while you're in internship, sort of find what works best for you and kind of figure out if you're going to prep for the exam in particular, figure out like when you're going to take it and try to study around that time of the day. Yeah, that's great advice. And I I really especially love the, um, your celebration of like the little wins in life, because it can be so hard to just or it can, let me try again. It can be easy to just move throughout your day without acknowledging that you put in a little extra effort doing something. So that's that's great advice for how to uh, reward yourself, how to support yourself through the process. Right, and I see. I feel like we can be really hard on ourselves. I know I I in particular, um, if you know I have a day off on a Sunday and I'm mentally spent. I only do maybe two hours of homework, three hours of homework, and I feel defeated, but it's like, no, you know, you were tired, whatever, you went out the night before, it's okay, because maybe you, like, meal prepped, you know, maybe you exercised, maybe, you know, you you were already tired from the day before, so it's okay, you should celebrate the fact that you even did a little bit of work. And doing that actually helped me stay a lot more motivated and engaged for the next day. Mm. Um, It can be hard with social media because sometimes we all, we rely on each other for feedback. And it's important to know that sometimes people aren't necessarily going to give you the feedback that you need in that moment. So it's important to be self-sufficient, especially in terms of education. Yeah. What a good reminder for just like life. (laughs) (laughs) awesome so in one of your videos you said uh you were talking about internship and you said to ask the interviewer what are you looking for in a future intern and that so caught my attention because my advice for people is always well make sure it's the right fit for you a college an internship a job you know and that's such a great way to phrase that question to see like what's their vision and do i fit that and would i be a good fit for this place right i think that this actually having that question having that conversation i think it really helped me um get my internship because it did throw the interviewee uh, off a little bit. Mm. But it, I, I, in that moment, I felt like it was really important since in that particular interview, I, there was a tour of the facility, but I wasn't allowed to see sessions just because of HIPAA. And that facility was at a very private medical hospital. So um, again, they were very strict on who could come into sessions. And I wanted to know really what they were looking for because I didn't necessarily see a music therapist that day. And I didn't know, as an intern, again, you're not really sure what your role is. Are you going to take over sessions right away? Are they going to ease you into it? And every supervisor does it a little bit differently. And then, you know, who is going to be your supervisor? So I think that it is important. And it did help me in that moment realize that that particular internship was right for me. I have asked that question a couple of times in job interviews and 
I've gotten a different response. And then, you know, I was like, oh, this job really isn't for me in the long run. Yeah. In your business and finance training, have any other um, good questions like that come up to kind of put feelers out if it's the right thing, if it's the right situation? Uh, any other, I guess, interview advice? Because I, I just really loved that one. It piqued my interest. I think knowing the morals and values of the company, hmm. it, it does depend on what type of position you're going for. Because if it is more of an administrative position, you could always look at the previous um, meetings that the company had, and you can, you know, you could look at their financial statements. But if we're thinking about as a music therapist, it would be important to see their morals and values. You know, is this a company that is, you know, I don't know, doing music therapy or creative arts? You know, do they, do they see creative arts as just you know, playing music, doing pre-recorded uh, choir, or do they actually see it as a clinical resource and treatment? Because certain companies, if you go on their website, you know, they'll have the company objective and the morals and values. And then if, if you search under, you know, maybe creative arts or a music therapy department, you can kind of see what where they're going. And then you could bring it up in the interview, you know, oh, I saw that, you know, this, you're leaning more towards holistic healthcare within your company. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? You know, or, oh, when is this music therapy program a new program? Where do you see it going in the future? So that way you can kind of get an idea because, um, and it's, it's not a bad thing if we're a musician going in and providing entertainment. That is not necessarily a bad thing, but when you're a music therapist and you went through clinical training, you want to make sure that the company is treating you and seeing your music therapy craft the same way you're seeing it. Well said. Those are, um, those are really good questions to ask. Having the, I have those in my back pocket for the future now. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Awesome. So is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we move into our rapid fire questions? Oh, yes. Um, so I really want to emphasize the fact that as music therapists, we will or already have reached that Maslow self-actualization hmm. area of hierarchy. And I think it's really important to know that as a young music therapist, as an individual, you know, graduating college, starting your first job, know that our profession really does create the best of the best. And you do have to be really great. You know, you have to be smart, you have to be talented in order to get through our training. So it's important to embrace that, celebrate and, you know, share it with the world as best as you can. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you. I needed to hear that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Are you ready for our rapid fire? I'm ready. Awesome. So you kind of mentioned this, but the first one is coffee or tea? Yeah, I am a tea drinker. I, I drink coffee in the afternoon to help me study, but I don't necessarily like it. Mm -hmm. I, I drink it black too. So I just drink it for energy purposes, but tea, I actually like the flavor of, I drink that black also. <laughs> In case anybody wants to buy me a cup of tea. 
when the world has calmed down a little bit, we I'll come down to Boston and we'll have a, a tea tea day. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? I am a night owl all the way. I they I howl at the moon for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely love that. Something you'd tell your younger self. I would tell my younger self to have more confidence. Like, you're fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Your music therapy elevator speech. Okay. Um, well, I often get compared to music teachers because I did teach music lessons. So I often mm-hmm. say um, music therapy is using music for non-musical goals. Whereas music education is using music for music-related goals. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes I'll go into, because I I was in marching band in high school, so sometimes I'll talk about how, you know, you could beat to a drum and help an individual, like, walk or ambulate. Sometimes I'll talk about that if there's a little bit more time, and then people sort of understand because of marching band, and they see, you know, the drum beat and people marching, but... That's only if I have time. Yeah, that's such a great visual representation that uh, I've never put together to explain uh, facilitating ambulation, which is funny because I was very heavily involved in the marching arts, but I never thought of that. (laughs) Awesome. Your favorite self-care practice? I... I did a project on self-care, actually. Um, I'm more of a physical, sensory person, so I really like painting my nails. I like exercising, shopping, trying on clothes, trying on shoes, anything that you well, you could touch, you could feel. That's my way of self-care. Painting my nails is my absolute favorite, though. What color are your nails right now? <laughs> At the moment, they're Tiffany blue. Beautiful. something that's currently adding value to your life well I'm in school so I'm taking business and finance courses but I actually am going to start training um, in more science related courses and anatomy related courses I actually I know this is going to sound strange but I really want to be a a certified dental assistant because a lot of times we go through dental hygiene. I did this at like two other facilities as a music therapist. And I feel like that would be something that would really bring value if I have that training, especially if as a music therapist, we get thrown into the certified nursing assistant role, which sometimes tends to happen. Interesting. So can you explain explain what you envision that looking like day to day for me a little bit? Sure. So I at one facility, I was a music therapist for the most part throughout the day. And then it, either at night or in the morning, I would work as a certified nursing assistant. So I like I am a certified nursing assistant, but at that particular facility, I would help shower for maybe two hours and you know feed clean and then I would be a music therapist um and then uh, in other times I would do it at night but the thing is that at that particular facility the individuals they were older adults and they couldn't necessarily brush their teeth but everybody thought they could because 10 years ago they physically could 
And I often had to, you know, help them brush their teeth when I was in the home. And then when I was a music therapist in our general facility, I did a couple of hygiene sessions about brushing your teeth and oral hygiene. And the clients really liked it. And I felt like they could benefit from it. And that was, of course, more of a leisure group that didn't fall into the music therapy goal category. But um, as a dental assistant, I feel that that's really important. And I worked with acquired brain injury. So that was one of those, like it was a slower progression. So they would be able to physically brush in certain homes, but other homes they, um, they couldn't anymore. And just teaching them how to use the water pick or adaptive equipment. I feel like would be really beneficial. Yeah, what a cool combination. And I could totally see those two coexisting. Right. It's um it's not um, for some, some like for us, I would say, going through a lot of training all at once, um, becoming a certified nursing assistant or becoming a dental assistant, it's you just take a couple of courses and then you have to take an exam, of course. But um, you know, we can we can do it as music therapists. We can definitely, if you're into medical music therapy and you're in a facility that does require you to do personal care at times, uh, we we definitely have the skill set. Awesome, cool. I you are expanding my eyes to all the different certifications <laughs> we can get, should get, all the ways those integrate into our profession. That's really cool. All right. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? I love using Twist and Shout mm-hmm. and then transitioning into La Bamba. Like when I work with Acquired Brain Injury, they love any classic rock and they love when you can transition smoothly. And it's just like, you know, everybody goes wild. It's almost like an encore, you know, people who can stand, clap, scream, sing. It gets everybody very excited and happy. And it's very rewarding because as musicians, it's a very easy skill to learn. But it brings out the best. Yeah, I love that. I, I And you do a great job of painting a picture. I'm just picturing like all these excited people when you switch songs and... Yeah, the musician in you is like, yes, I'm doing it right. And the music therapist in you is like, yes, I'm doing it extra right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Awesome. All right, last question. Where can the listeners find you and connect with you? So you can, I I have separated, you know, personal to business YouTube. But um, so I have the, my email is um, healing.thepoordoctor at gmail. And then you can find me on TikTok at The Poor Doctor and then also on YouTube. Um, my personal Instagram is Megan Aslan47. So it's like part of my last name, but you can message me there as well. Awesome. I will link all of those for the listeners so they can find you, connect with you, see your awesome videos and hear your insights. Uh, I learned a lot from this conversation. Well, you're very easy to talk to. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would, I'd be, it'd be a pretty hard podcast to listen to if I was hard to talk to, I think. <laughs> so I, I'm glad. Thank you for saying that. Awesome. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the show. Have a, a wonderful weekend. Oh, thank you. You too. Awesome. Bye. Bye. 
I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Megan. I think there are so many good tips in there for how to present music therapy as a more businessy, marketable attribute if that's something you're planning to do in the future or that you do consistently. Maybe you're looking for contract work or finding contract work for other people. Uh, also, just her interview advice I thought was great, very actionable, simple ways to put feelers out and see if you're the right fit for wherever you're interviewing. You can find us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms uh, and on there on Instagram and Facebook I post a headshot of the guest every time an episode comes out so if you want to see who you're hearing some more you're welcome to do that that way and in our Facebook group you can start or join a conversation about an episode tell us what you learned or what you want to hear more of I'd love to have a dialogue going with you the listeners um, because this show is for all of you so please let me know your thoughts if you or someone you know wants to be on the show please let me know by sending an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com that'll go directly to me uh, and I'll get back to you about scheduling an interview and if you've always wanted to ask some questions on the show yourself or, you know, there's someone you really want to have on the show and ask all of your questions to, you can do that by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. That's always, uh, that link is always in the show notes and patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So check that out if that's something you've always wanted to do. And of course that supports the podcast. Um, thank you to those of you who are already on Patreon. So, so appreciated. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Our quote comes from Frederick Douglass, and it reads, If there is no struggle, there is no progress. <laughs>